Hello, and welcome to the Preview Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting items from the current month's previews catalog. This is Preview Spotlight number 177 for the August 2022 solicitations. In this episode, we'll be going over some of the items in the upcoming solicitations that you might find interesting. Now, comics are a pre-order business, so whether we like it or not, it behooves us to take a look at what's going to be offered a couple of months out and let our retailers know so they can order appropriately. Now, these episodes have an open submission policy, and I encourage you to send in clips to promote the comics you love as often as you can. Now, there are thousands of items solicited every month, and it's easy for things to get lost in the shuffle or just fly beneath your radar. We'll be starting with the DC Connect catalog, followed by the Marvel's Previews catalog, and then working our way through the Diamond Previews catalog. Obviously, we aren't going to go item by item, or page by page, or even publisher by publisher. We're just going to hit the highlights, and those highlights are picked by people like you. So with that, let's get going. My first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. I find these incredibly helpful to find out what's coming out a few months from now and kind of plan my order appropriately. Sometimes there's stuff that sounds good on paper, but I look at the art or something about the solicitation doesn't work for me, or there's something that I wouldn't have noticed unless, you know, the art had caught my eye or the solicitation looks pretty cool or something like that. Matter of fact, there have been a couple of times where I'll see something and realize I missed the first two issues or something like that and and go order them. So just flipping through these catalogs is kind of my monthly equivalent of the old Sears Toys catalog when I was a kid of, you know, finding out what cool things were out there to be had and then making sure I got them as, as best I could. So whether you get the printed catalogs or not, this information is available online at the various websites for the distributors and the publishers and such. Comics are a pre-order business. It makes sense to know what's coming out so you can let your retailer know so they can have it so you can get it. So once again, my first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. Hey, this is James here with my first pick for the DC Connect. And this is uh, for the August comics, so I guess they're coming out, what would that be? October my birthday month. <laughs> and the first thing that I stopped at in the DC Connect is on page 18, where we have GCPD, the blue wall. Now, this one is on uh, Renee Montoya, who I'm familiar with her. Not super, super familiar, but I, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with her. I, I like Maggie Sawyer over in Bloodhaven and the Nightwing comic, what's been going on there. So I was, I was hoping it would be her. But anyways, we got Gotham PD versus having the Bloodhaven PD. But this one, it, the reason why I'm picking it is the art looks decent, and the writer is John Ridley, who is not always the best, but he's pretty good. He has a good track record, so I'm definitely like, okay, John Ridley, we'll give this a try. It says, still relatively early in her tenure as GCPD Commissioner Renee Montoya sets out to rebuild her department and restore public faith in the historically troubled PD during some of the worst conditions it's ever seen. And we saw those with uh, Future State, <laughs> how, how things got kind of out of hand. 
But Renee can't do it alone. In order for her plan to work, everyone from the topmost officials all the way down to the most fresh-faced new officers must contend with the harsh realities of being a symbol of law and order in a city of super-powered saviors and superhuman lawlessness. So it, it sounds like it could be interesting. This is going to go one of two ways. It's a six-issue miniseries. If the first two issues don't hook me, I'm probably going to be gone. By the third issue, I'll be out. <laughs> probably the first issue I'll know. It's a miniseries, so you're not in long-term. But I've gotten to the point where these miniseries, if they don't sit well with me, I just cut them midstream and I'm out. But I'm definitely going to try this one out just because of the writer on this and the art piece of it. So on to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with the DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Flashpoint Beyond, number six. Hope you've been enjoying this return trip to the Flashpoint universe, courtesy of writers Jeff Johns, Jeremy Adams, and Tim Sheridan. Now, if you are familiar with the original version of Flashpoint, the 2011-2012 miniseries written by Jeff Johns, which paved the way for The New 52, you will recall a very twisted take on the DC universe in particular. You have a Batman who is Thomas Wayne instead of Bruce Wayne. You learn that young Bruce is the one who is murdered. That is a key point in the original Flashpoint universe. We've been fortunate enough to get this Thomas Wayne Batman appearing in a regular DC universe during the Tom King era of Batman. We've gotten him prior to this miniseries in Justice League, Incarnate, and Infinite Frontier. This series has focused on Thomas Wayne returning to the Flashpoint universe, trying to solve a murder mystery who is the clockwork killer. You know, like all great mysteries, you know, all the clues have been in place. Clearly, there must be some sort of clue in these covers because they are re not only is the regular cover redacted, but also one of the variant covers is redacted. So whatever Mitch Gerard's put in that regular cover, clearly it's going to remain a secret for now. And the artist of the series, Zamerico, he did one of the variant covers, which is also redacted. I find it really hilarious that they have redacted covers for those. But I think it also kind of adds to the mystique of those series because I really have been enjoying the mystery aspects of this, just trying to put the pieces together. I think that Thomas Wayne is certainly not the world's greatest detective. If you read the series, you'll, you'll, you'll see how Thomas Wayne operates is very different than Bruce. I'll just kind of leave it at that. But I, I did mention earlier uh, Zamerico. Zamerico is the artist of this series. He also provided a variant cover, as I previously mentioned. I think that Zamerico is doing a really wonderful job of depicting this universe, depicting all the key characters. He does a really good job in these action sequences. I think that making these characters look distinct from their regular DC counterparts is really important to help 
drive home how different the series is. And so I think that it is a testament to Zamerico's artwork that he really does elevate the script, in my opinion. The original Flashpoint miniseries was drawn by Andy Kubert, and I think Andy Kubert did a really wonderful job in there. And and, and Zamerico's certainly no subs. So if you have been buying this series up to now, I think you'll definitely get the final issue. However, if you want to kind of understand what the Thomas Wayne Batman is all about, I certainly think you certainly get this series, but there's also some key issues prior to this mini series that you need to pick up, including a repackaging of the original Flashpoint Batman series, which was really helpful in having that before I read this. There's a zero issue for this series as well. Flashpoint Beyond number six can be found on page 24 of DC Connect and costs $3.99. Hi, I'm Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, and I go by Superman Fan on the forums. My first pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 27 with Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 16. Written by Tom Taylor, with art by Cian Torme and Ruari Coleman. The main cover is by Travis Moore, which is the one I'll be getting. A variant cover is done by Ariel Colon, and a 1 in 25 90s bedroom variant cover, whatever that is, is by Megan Huang. The cover price for the regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages. And the cardstock variant cover editions are $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to be on sale October 11th. Kal-El Returns Part 2. Father and son are at last reunited after the War World saga ripped them apart. And you don't need to have super senses to know that this is a reunion well earned. As planet Earth becomes reacquainted with the rise of two supermen, one man stands in their way. Lex Luthor sets his deadly machinations in motion as the march towards Action Comics 1050 continues. While I've enjoyed the War World storyline, I'm glad to see the Man of Steel return to Earth, and I'm anxious to see what the big story for Action Comics 1050 is going to be, especially with the death of the Justice League storyline playing out at the same time. I can't help but wonder if all this is going to lead to DC eventually rebooting their entire universe once again. I guess we'll find out eventually, but meanwhile I'm enjoying Superman Son of Kal-El. Billy Hogan again. My next pick is also on page 27 of the DC Comics Connect Previews. With Action Comics number 1048, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Mike Perkins, backup art by David Laffham, the main cover is by Steve Beach, which is the one I'll be getting, a variant cover is by David Laffham, and a 1 in 25 variant cover by Rafael Sarmento, and a Black Adam movie variant cover by Ivan Tao. The cover price for the regular edition is $4.99 for 40 pages. And the cardstock variant covers are 5 dollars 
and this issue is scheduled to be on sale October 25th. Kal-El Returns Part 3, the epic crossover between Action Comics and Superman Son of Kal-El continues. Superman, Supergirl, Steel, and the rest of the Super Family have brought the Felosian refugees to the Fortress of Solitude. But before they can show the newcomers the ropes of heroics on planet Earth, a sneak attack from above turns the Arctic tundra into a war zone. Plus, the march toward Action Comics 1050 continues when Lex Luthor presents a disturbing deal to Metallo. The subplot with the Felosians has been my favorite aspect of the War World saga, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that particular plot line wraps up. Dr. Mo here with the DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Static, Shadows of Dakota, number one. Static is back with a new volume of Milestone's new take on Static. Now, first off, I want to note, why was this not called Static Season 2? Very simple. This series, Static, Shadows of Dakota, it's a bit long. Now, the solicitation text provides some context for why it's called Shadows of Dakota. It involves a new threat called Eben, who is quote-unquote cutting a bloody swath through the underworld on a single-minded quest to find his brother. Okay, makes sense why they would call this Shadows of Dakota. But again, there's something about Static Season 2 just rings off my tongue. But enough with the nitpicking. So this volume of Static is written by Nicholas Draper Ivy and Vita Ayala. Vita Ayala was the primary writer on Static Season 1. Nicholas Draper Ivy was the artist, according to the solicitation information provided by DC. Nicholas Draper Ivy will be performing two roles in this first issue, and perhaps throughout the remainder of the series, he will serve as a writer and the artist. Quite frankly, I was blown away by Nicholas Draper Ivy's depiction of static and those characters within the static universe. They felt very contemporary. They felt very fresh. They honestly looked like they could have easily uh, jumped off an animation cell. It looked gorgeous. The coloring, I think, helped create something that that vibrated. I mean, there were times in the in Static Season 1 in which Static was using his electrical powers. You could really feel those um, vibrations, and it just looked like literally someone was being jolted. Really amazing stuff. Looking forward to seeing how uh, Draper Ivy develops as an artist. I'm hoping that we will continue to see development for Statics or Virgil's supporting cast like we got in the first season. And I'm just hoping that it continues to provide more insight into this new iteration of 
the Milestone Universe. Static, Shadows of Dakota number one, can be found on page 32 of DC Connect and costs $3.99. My first pick is on page 34 of the DC Connect, and it is Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries number one. That team-up series is back, and what's interesting is it doesn't seem to be a limited series. Now, there's not a whole lot to go on here other than a short blurb suggesting we're going to get Batman, Robin, Batman of All Nations, Scooby and the gang and stuff, jet-setting to some of the most haunted places on Earth, and it's going to lead up to Ra's al Ghul and the League of Assassins. Now, I don't know how long of an arc that's going to be. That seems like a lot to put in a single 32-page comic, but you never know. The cover just has Batman and Scooby, but again, I really enjoyed the previous Batman Scooby-Doo mystery stuff and the Scooby-Doo team-up stuff, all that kind of things they've been doing. Uh, Sholly Fish is just doing a great job writing this stuff, capturing kind of that Saturday morning vibe for these things, and I'm glad to see this coming back. I'm definitely going to be checking it out. If you want something that's just a lighter read, usually a good done-in-one kind of a story, or at least satisfying in one, even if there's stuff building up to a larger arc, I definitely recommend this stuff. So once again, that's the Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries number one on page 34 of the DC Connect. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect previews is on page 35 with Batman Superman World's Finest number eight, written by Mark Wade with art and cover by Dan Mora. And this is the cover I'll be getting. There's a variant cover by Torin Clark, and a 1 in 25 variant cover by Travis Mercer, and a 1 in 50 variant cover by Clayton Henry. The cover price for the regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant cover editions are $4.99. This issue is scheduled to be on sale October 18th. Reckless Youth! continues as Superman and Batman struggle to mentor the new boy Thunder. The key has drawn the world's finest team into an impossible dilemma, unlike any they've ever faced when the entire city of Metropolis goes into a deadly lockdown. Reading DC Comics since the mid-1960s, the title World's Finest has always had a bit of nostalgia for me, so I had to pick up this series and I'm glad I did. Mark Wade and the art team have done a great job of creating fun adventures of my favorite superhero team. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect previews is on page 39 with Fables number 156, issue number 6 of a 12-issue miniseries. Written by Bill Willingham, with art by Mark Buckingham and Steve Leloha. The main cover is by Christina Kalida, which is the one I'll be getting. And a variant cover is done by Mark Buckingham. The regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the variant cardstock cover is $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to be on sale October 18th. Connor Wolf has taken a shine to a wandering hero who has plans to teach Connor all he knows. They'll make daring rescues and slay monsters, but when the pair comes across Old Sam in the Black Forest, Connor discovers that his mentor's sense of adventure has a cruel streak. Plus, a French bistro in New York 
becomes a dueling ground as Green Jack makes a dramatic entrance to square off against Pan. After reading the early issues of this miniseries, I'm glad I picked up this continuation of the Fable series, which ended a few years ago, and I hope to eventually get the whole series in collected editions so that I can read it from beginning to end since I picked it up late in its run with Vertigo Comics, the late great imprint that was at one time part of DC Comics. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in the DC Comics Connect previews is on page 42 with Superman number 1, facsimile edition 2022, written by Jerry Siegel, and art and cover by Joe Schuster. The cover price is $6.99 as opposed to the original 10 cent cover price in 1939 for 64 pages, and this edition is scheduled to go on sale October 4th. Just before the doomed planet Krypton exploded, a scientist placed his infant son within an experimental rocket ship and set it on a course to Earth. On our planet, that orphan boy discovered that he was gifted with amazing strength. Guided by the values of his loving foster parents, he grew up to become Superman, champion of the oppressed, sworn to helping those in need. Own your personal copy of the exciting first issue by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, featuring the daring exploits of the Man of Steel. Now, I have a oversized reprint from the 1970s when DC had a series of oversized tabloid editions of some key issues in their history, marked famous first editions. The only editions I have from the famous first edition series, along with Superman number one, is Batman number one. And while it's still in pretty good shape, I couldn't resist the temptation to get a new edition of this famous first issue in a regular sized format. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the DC Connect. And this time, I almost stopped at Nightwing because that's the best book at DC. Um, so if you're not reading Nightwing, you're missing out. But over on page 46 in the collected editions, they have Rogues. And this is a collection of the three oversized, I guess they would be called black label type magazine comics. And it's collecting the three issues and one $30. It looks like it's going to be a trade. I don't think it's hardcover. Oh, no, it is hardcover in here. 208 pages. 30 bucks, but you'll get a nice discount with Deep Discount Comics and Eric. Probably uh, 50% off. It could be 40% off, something in that neighborhood. Uh, but Rogues is pretty good. Um, I enjoyed it. It's basically the the bad guys from Flash getting together, having a caper, uh, the Rogues Gallery. And it, they go to Gorilla City, and there's a heist and a lot of gold you know, that they heard about. And this is kind of going to be the last hurrah going and taking on this big score. And I think it's going to be, uh, I think it was a good read. I think you guys will enjoy it. But DC, with a lot of the stuff that's going on, some of it hasn't been fun. Some of it's been good. But Rogues was decent, and this is maybe something you want to check out. And so here it was. It's coming out November 15th. This is the pre-order. But I'm not double-dipping on this one. I just wanted to point it out for those of you guys who may have missed it. On to my next pick. Billy Hogan again. 
My first pick in the Marvel previews is on page one with Miracle Man number zero, written by Neil Gaiman and various other writers. The art is by Mark Buckingham and various other artists. Cover A is by Alan Davis, which is the one I'll be getting. Cover B is by Terry Dotson, and cover C is by Scotty Young. Forty years ago, Miracle Man's modern era began and changed the world of comics as we know it. Now, on the cusp of a new era of Miracle Man, we celebrate all things Kimota with a who's who of the best talent in the industry. Plus, Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham set up this issue and their return to Miracle Man, The Silver Age, rated T+, and is scheduled to be in shops on October 5th for the cover price of $5.99. I'm familiar with Miracle Man, the character, but I haven't really read any issues of his series. I know he started in England in the 1950s after Fawcett ceased publishing Captain Marvel comics thanks to the lawsuit DC Comics placed against them. And the publisher in England who reprinted Captain Marvel created a knockoff character called Miracle Man, which lasted for several decades. And then Alan Moore and later Neil Gaiman were involved in resurrecting the character. While I hope to eventually pick up reprints of the original runs of Miracle Man, I couldn't resist this opportunity to pick up the new adventures of Miracle Man now that Marvel Comics has finally wrapped up the rights to the character. My next pick is on the following page, number two, with Miracle Man Silver Age number one, written by Neil Gaiman, with art and cover by Mark Buckingham, which is the cover I'll be getting. Cover B is by Phil Jimenez. Cover C is by Phil Noto. And cover D is by Chris Sprouse. And if I were to get one of the alternate covers, I would probably pick Chris Sprouse because I enjoy his style as well. Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham's unfinished storyline, The Silver Age, begins. Young Miracle Man, the lost member of the Miracle Man family, is back. His last memories were of a 1963 world of joy and innocence. Now, he's been thrust into the 21st century, where his best friends have become gods and monsters. Remastered with stunning new artwork by Mark Buckingham, including material originally presented in Miracle Man 1985 series number 23, Plus, bonus content. This issue is rated mature and is scheduled to be in shops on October 19th for the cover price of $4.99. As I said in my previous clip, I've never really read any Miracle Man comics, so I'm looking forward to reading this first issue. Hey, this is James. I'm now in the Marvel previews, and the first thing that I was going to call out, it's here at the beginning, and the one I'm going to call out is on page two. On page one, they have Miracle Man number zero, but page two, they have Miracle Man by Gaiman and Buckingham, the Silver Age number one. I'm still torn on if I'm going to get this or not, and the reason why I'm torn is uh, Miracle Man, I, I, I never read it back in the day. I really didn't, and I know it was really, it was a genre set, I don't even know if you'll say a genre setter. It, it broke the mold at the time, 
but so much of this has been done since Miracle Man came out that it's nothing new. That's that's what I'm getting. I I don't know if it's anything new. Now the reason why I'm calling this one out because for those of you who may be curious, why is James calling out something that he may or may not be buying? One, it's Neil Gaiman who's a great writer. Mark Buckingham who's a great artist. And it's saying after 30 years, Neil Gaiman and Bart, Mark Buckingham unfinished storyline. This is the thing that's been hidden. That there's been talks about. Oh, is the script finished and whatever happened? You know, blah blah blah. It's finally coming out. So for people who enjoyed this back in the the 80s, this is your chance to buy it. My guess is they're going to come out with a big omnibus collecting all of the Miracle Man stuff, if you want to read that. And that's probably the format I'll pick it up in, because I was getting the singles, and it just wasn't working for me. I I don't know. So I'm kind of torn on this, but if you're a Neil Gaiman fan, if you're a Mark Buckingham fan, or if you've been waiting for this story for the past 30 years, this is your chance to pick it up. And I don't know. Maybe... Miracle Man might be in the MCU one day. I just have no clue. I would not be surprised to see that happen. On to my next pick. Hey, this is James back again. And this time I'm over on page six in the Marvel previews. And this is something I'm definitely picking up. It is Spider-Man number one. Not that we need another Spider-Man. I mean, there's there's a few Spider-Books. I, I honestly don't get all of them. But the reason why I am picking this one up is because of the creative team, because I thought Dan Slott did a, a fantastic job when he was writing Amazing Spider-Man. So this new, just regular Spider-Man is written by Dan Slott, uh, which I was kind of really sad to see him leave the Fantastic Four. But he really has the voice for Spider-Man. He really has the voice for Fantastic Four. So I'm happy he's going back to Spider-Man. Uh, the artist on this will be Mark Bagley. So I, I enjoy Mark Bagley. Some people don't. I, I think he's he's a decent artist. I, I really enjoy him. And he can draw really fast, which is nice. But it says the end of the Spider-Verse is here. Oh, God, I don't like the Spider-Verse that much. But the end of it, I don't mind. <laughs> so it's saying Morlun Morlun is back. And he is not alone. Allied with one of the most powerful beings known to the Spider-Verse, the scariest Spider-Villain of all time is making the biggest play, and no spider is safe, especially not chosen spider himself, Peter Parker. With Peter Parker working for Norman Osborn and using the glider, does he have it coming? We shall see. So it's basically Spidey's 60th anniversary. They're going to have let Dan Slott write this book. I'm going to read it just because, like I said, the creative team, Dan Slott on Spider-Man is definitely a winner, and I would just leave it at that. On <laughs> to my next pick. What's up, guys? Axman Patrick here. I'm in the Marvel previews. This is where I start. We are on page number six because we have a new Spider-Man number one. I think this is like the fifth number one in two years. So Dan Slott is writing this one. I'm not the biggest fan of Dan Slott. Mark Bagley is the artist. We have variant covers out the wazoo. They're changing his outfit once again. So many other covers on the other side, like Spider-Gwen looks good by Arthur Adams. Ryan Stegman always looks great. Frank Miller's cover looks pretty cool. Action figure one's pretty cool. But I'll, I'll read this one for you. The end of the Spider-Verse is here. Moreland is back and he's not alone. Allied with one of the most powerful beings known as Spider-Verse. The Scarlet Spider villain of all time is making his biggest play and no spider is safe. Especially not the chosen spider himself, Peter Parker. With Peter working on Norman Osborn and using a glider working for Norman Osborn and using the glider. Does he have it coming? Spidey's 60th anniversary is no joke, as two of the most legendary Spidey creatures are working together on Spidey for the first time. Sp- oh, man. 
my page is bent, sorry, Spider Creators are working together on Spider for the first time, and you know it's going to be one of the for the record books. 48 pages, $4.99. That's not bad page count per dollar. But another number one. Do we really need a number number one? I go back and forth. Like, if they didn't make it a number one and just kept it with number, I think, what's this one on? 10, the new one? And just jump to 11. Would anybody know that Dan Slott's writing it and not the other guy? I don't know. Zeb Wells seems like he's doing a good job. I haven't read it yet. But, like, why are we jumping around so many times in Spider-Man number ones? We know Spider-Man can car- carry a book. Just do like Batman and just continue the number. It's so annoying. But new number one means new jumping on point, and probably that's why they're doing it. So without further ado, on to the next pick. Sorry, guys. I just went through the book and noticed that they have Amazing Spider-Man number 11 and 12 in here. So they're not cutting out Amazing Spider-Man. They're just adding another Spidey book, which I'll probably just get number one because, like I said, I'm not the biggest Dan Slott fan, and that's it. And I'll continue picking up Zeb Wells' book, even though I haven't read them yet, and they're on <laughs> number 11 and 12 in this book. All right, here we go. On to the next pick. Dr. Mo here with a Marvel pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Avengers, X-Men, Eternals, Judgment Day, number six of six. So Marvel's summer blockbuster series involving the Avengers, the X-Men, and the Eternals, commonly known as Axe, seemingly reaches its conclusion with issue six. But we know how these things go. There's probably going to be an aftermath or an Omega issue to quote-unquote tie things up and to set the stage for what's to come. But that's not what I'm here to discuss today. What I'm here to discuss is the sixth issue in the series. And I really don't want to get too heavy into talking points about this series as a whole because we've only gotten two issues out as of this recording. And quite frankly, the solicitation text for this is very vague. It just mentions the apocalyptic finale of the event of the year. It's not that nothing will ever will be the same again. It's that unless heroes can find a way to be heroes, everything will be nothing forever. I mean, like, wait, that is some vague jargon. I mean, let's be real. You've got the Eternals who are pissed because the X-Men now know or have the ability to bring themselves back to life and the Avengers are basically stuck in the middle. And that's what you're getting. And you're getting a lot of fisticuffs. And and the reason why I, I picked this is because I think the writer Kieran Gillum has a really wonderful track record of delivering on, I would say, very, a lot of very epic series, uh, particularly that have some sort of emotional hook. I'm, I'm talking about his Young Avengers run. I'm talking about uh, the Wicked and the Divine. I'm talking about Once and Future. And even you know when he worked on X-Men titles previously for Marvel, there was you know this sort of epic scale about those X-Men books. And even if you have been reading his run on the Eternals, you can tell that he's really playing with these larger and bigger concepts. And I'm hoping that by virtue of the fact that uh, Kieran Gillum is writing the Eternals book and he's 
writing Immortal X-Men, he's going to use this sort of to spin it out. Now, one of the real, really wonderful bright spots of this series is the artwork by Valero Shidi. Shidi has been doing really wonderful stuff, not only in this title, but in previous Marvel events, they've been a part of very clean style, certainly evokes a lot of the quote-unquote house style that you're getting in Marvel titles these days, particularly those that are in the mainstream superhero line. There's no mistaking, you know, what characters I think the artist does a really wonderful job of being able to distinguish those characters, does some really good crowd scenes, and really knows how to blow things up literally when the art calls for it. So all in all, I think it is a wonderful package. But I, I preface this by saying that if you are in on Axe, obviously I think you need to see this through. If you love these sort of blockbuster crossover events, I think you can't get anything bigger than essentially smashing together three of Marvel's biggest franchise, or I'm going to say two, because quite frankly, in my opinion, the Eternals really only have a bit of heat because of the fact that they have an MCU film. Axe, Judgment Day number six of six can be found on page eight of the Marvel previews catalog and costs a whopping $5.99. But they say you're supposed to get 40 pages of content for that. We'll see. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in the Marvel Comics previews is on page 15 with Fantastic Four number 48, written by David Pipoz, with art by Juan Cabal, and cover art by Cafu. Cover B is by Mark Buckingham, which is a Miracle Man variant. An AXE tie-in. Trapped alone inside the Baxter building with no backup in sight, the Invisible Woman battles her way up 35 flights of death traps to stop the mad science of Obliet Midas. But with the clock running out on the Celestial's judgment, can Sue save her husband Reed from becoming the latest cog in the Exterminatrix's interdimensional war machine? Can the Thing and the Human Torch free themselves from Obliet's twisted schemes? Or will the hijacked Baxter building prove to be the FF's ultimate undoing? It's Judgment Times 4, as the Fantastic Four don't plan to go down without a fight. Rated T, and is scheduled to be in shops on October 12th for the cover price of $3.99. Wow, with a solicit like that, I'm anxious to read this story now. It makes me glad that I'm picking up the Fantastic Four series once again. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the Marvel previews. And this time I'm on page 47 with Punisher War Journal Brother number one. The War Journal, instead of being an ongoing monthly comic, it's become uh, this these one shots that they almost come out like quarterly. But they kind of they really do actually tie into the main Punisher story, even though the writer is different. So this is not Jason Aaron. It's uh, a guy from Scandinavia. His name is Torin Robot. Grunbeck. I'm sure I'm butchering that name. And the artist is Raphael Pimentel. I'm sure I'm butchering his name, so apologies to both of those creators. But I haven't been enjoying The Punisher. I know some people are like, oh, I don't I don't really like it. It's, it's too this or that. It's working for me. Your mileage may vary. But let me tell you what, what it says about this one. 
this Punisher War Journal. I let, read the last one. I really did enjoy it. Lady Bullseye failed. Lord Deathstrike failed. Every assassin sent to kill uh, Frank fails. The leaders of the underworld, crime bosses, heads of terrorist organizations, and even corrupt government or, or to come together to solve the growing problem of Frank Castle. So they share intel, resources, and money. A collective underworld puts out a contract to kill Frank, eligible for anyone, assassins, mercenaries, or small-town crooks. So I think it'll be cool. They're going to send out the best of the best. So uh, we, we all know there's a, a, a lot of pretty decent super criminals who could go after Frank and maybe take them out. So uh, I want to see how this plays out. The new status quo with Frank, I won't spoil that here, but there's a lot of stuff that changed uh, with him, his family, uh, what's going on. Uh, read the book if you don't know. Uh, message me if you want to know, if you want the spoiler. I'm just not going to say it here on this uh, preview spotlight clip. On to my next pick. What's up, guys? Axman Patrick, and I'm still in the Marvel book. We're on page 66. That's right, Order 66. Why not? Star Wars The High Republic number one. Yes, they have another Star Wars High Republic. I don't know why they canceled the last one. I enjoyed it. But this is a new chapter, a new beginning. Kevin Scott is writing. Ario Andito is artist and cover artist. You know, there's a bunch of variants. The new number one. So, $4.99, 40 pages. So, 150 years before the fall of Starlight, another beacon burns bright in the galaxy. A beacon of faith and spirituality. Jeddah, the Pilgrim Moon, the Kyber Heart. But tensions are rising in the holy city and dark days are to come. Jedi Vildar Mac, a Jedi safe and secure in who he is and what he could be, arrives as Jeddah's fragile peace begins to crumble. But a nightmare awaits. The nameless terrorist will be terror will become the stuff of legend. Um, I probably won't get cover A. I'll probably get cover B or C because cover A looks, you know, cartoony. But I guess that's, I don't know. I don't like it. But uh, definitely picking it up. It's Star Wars. Why not, right? All right, on to the next pick. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this is at the back of the Marvel previews where we get to the collected editions. Where there, There's honestly an insane, just an absolutely insane number of omnibus that are back here. I'm not going to be getting all of them. So a lot of them are reprints, but there are some that I am going to get. I mean, there's everything from Nova Rich Rider. I know a lot of Rich Rider fans out there. There's Thunderbolts, Fantastic Four by Miller and Hitch. There's all kinds of cool stuff. But the one that I wanted to call out is on page 76, where it's Incredible Hulk by Peter David, Omnibus Volume 5. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the last one to collect all of Peter David's Incredible Hulk stuff in, in these oversized hardcovers. This is 904 pages for 100 bucks. 46% off, if I'm not mistaken, from Eric over at Deep Discount Comics. So if you want to save a ton of money, hit up Eric. But this one is, um, it has Incredible Hulk the end, for number one. What if General Ross became the Hulk? Incredible Hulk from 2077 through 87. There's just a Hulk. This is not the classic, like, you know, the end of the Hulk, the volume one. But this is like kind of all the things where he has revisited the Hulk since that original volume one ended. And it's collecting all of the Peter David stuff into one big thing that you can read and enjoy. And I am definitely picking it up. I have read the first two omnibus, uh, completed them, uh, Peter David, Hulk, and I'm going to crack open the third. So um, I, this is definitely something I'll read. I enjoy it. And when you dive in, I'll read like five or six 
chapters, take a break, read something else, then I'll go back and read five or six chapters. I, I don't like to sit there and read the whole thing because uh, it, it, it's a bit much. <laughs> but on to my next pick, guys. Now, my next pick is off in the next phase catalog, which is Lunar's catalog for stuff other than DC. It is on page 31, or at least I think it's page 31. They don't have page numbers in this catalog, which I find oh so annoying. But anyways, this is Filth and Grammar, the comic book editor's secret handbook. It's a 176-page book on how to edit comics and stuff. And it's written by Shelley Bond, who has done a number of things, including editing uh, Sandman, Fables, The Invisibles, Lucifer, iZombie, so a lot of stuff over at Vertigo. Currently does some stuff over at Image, including Bitter Root. This apparently was a Kickstarter, I guess, and uh, not something I'm, again, hadn't had, had not heard of this at all prior to seeing it here. And I'll be honest, I was going through the next phase as much to do it as anything else. I wasn't really expecting to find anything, but uh, I saw this. I'm a process junkie. This looks really interesting, and I'm looking forward to checking it out when I get it. I don't know how quickly I'll get around to reading it, but this is definitely something I do want to want to read as soon as I, I get the time to. So once again, that is Filth and Grammar, the comic book editor's secret handbook, hidden on page 31 of the Next Phase catalog, and this is from Off Register Press. Billy Hogan again. My only pick in the Image Comics section of previews is on page 32 with Junkyard Joe Number 1, written by Jeff Johns, with story and cover art by Gary Frank and Brad Anderson. And this is a cover I'll be getting. And there's a black and white veterans version of this cover. Cover B is by Robert Love and Brad Anderson. And this cover also has a black and white veterans version. Cover C is by Andrea Muti, and there is a, also a black and white veterans cover of this one. Cover D is by Jerry Ordway and Brad Anderson, and there is a black and white veterans cover of this one. And cover E is also by Gary Frank and Brad Anderson, with its own black and white veterans version. By the critically acclaimed team of Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, and Brad Anderson. Throughout history, unlikely and strange heroes have risen and fallen, their identities and lives a secret, but for a great evil to be stopped, their stories must be told. They are the unnamed fighting the unknown war. From the explosive pages of Geiger comes Junkyard Joe. The world knows him as a comic strip by cartoonist Muddy Davis, but the truth stretches back to the Vietnam War. This is their story of sacrifice and brotherhood. It's scheduled to be in shops on October 5th for the cover price of $4.99. I loved the series Geiger, and Junkier Joe is a very interesting character, so I had to check out this first issue of this series, and I'll see if I like it enough to keep reading. Hey, this is James with a my first pick in the previews catalog. This is the August catalog for things coming out in October, my birthday month. Cool. And this, the first thing that caught my eye in the image section was on page 32. And it is Junkyard Joe number one, written by Jeff Johns, the artist Gary Frank. 
right there, creative team. You're like, this is a killer creative team. Yes, it is. Check out the art. There's some preview pages inside of previews. Really nice. This is spinning out of, if I'm not mistaken, the um, Geiger world. How it spins out of Geiger, I don't know. They, they, they had this 80-page giant special that came out, which was pretty cool. But they're going into all these different worlds. Like I think there was one for like the Revolutionary War. There's this one, which looks like more World War II-ish. How these tie into the greater Geiger thing remains to be seen. We shall see. Because I was enjoying the original Geiger story. I thought it was really good. Uh, but here we are off on the first tangent. And it, what it says is it's it looks like, I said, World War II type thing. Or actually, I take it back. It says 1972. So it is Vietnam War. Correction. Vietnam War. Okay, throughout history, unlikely and strange heroes have risen and fallen for their identities and lives and lives uh, and lives a secret. But for a great evil to be stopped, their stories must be told. They are the unnamed fighting the unknown war. From the explosive pages of Geiger, yep, coming from Geiger, comes Junkyard Joe. The world knows him as the comic strip by cartoonist Muddy Davis, but the truth, truth stretches back to the Vietnam War. This is their story of sacrifice and brotherhood. So I am completely all in. Anytime we got a Vietnam War book, I'm definitely interested. My my curiosity is peaked. I grew up with, you know, like Full Metal Jacket. I'm at a loss. Uh, there's been so many Vietnam War movies, and I love them all. But so I'm like, this is definitely up my alley. This It looks beautiful. You get several pages of the preview art. Gorgeous. And I, I think this is going to be fantastic. Unfortunately, I bet you it'll be like six issues. If we're lucky, we'll get 12, which makes me a little bit sad. So definitely pick this one up. I can't recommend this enough. If I was going to pick up one book, this would be the one that I'd pick up. Uh, Junkyard. Junkyard Joe. On to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, the image comic section, page 44. It's Hitomi, uh, number one of five, it's H-I-T-O-M-I. Writer is H.S. Tack, artist Isabella Mazzanti. This is a feudal-era Japan story here about a female protagonist. Preview art looks pretty good. Um, I'm not familiar with either the writer or the artist in this case, but sometimes stories like this can be interesting, so I'm going to give it a check out. Here's what the solicitation text says. In feudal-era Japan... A drifter with no prospects begins training in secret under Yasuke, a famous and now disgraced warrior, as she struggles to find her place in a society entrenched in discrimination and violence. Combining the historical sweep and elegance of Kurosawa with the visceral action of Tarantino, this saga follows the trials and tribulations of a young female warrior who travels the countryside unendingly as she works to gain the rank of samurai. A title no man, monster, or myth can give to her, but one that she will have to take for herself. Of course, this is a mini-series. Uh, it's listed as uh, coming out October 12th, $3.99. This is Nick with another pick from the main previews catalog. Again, in the image section, this is page 46, Kaya, number one. Writer and artist on this is Wes Craig, who everybody uh, hopefully is familiar with his work from uh, Deadly Class. It also does mention um, Gravediggers Union, but I'm not familiar with that property. Uh, here's the solicitation for this series. 
After the destruction of their village, a young girl with a magic arm and a fighting spirit is tasked with delivering her little brother to a faraway safe haven. There, he is destined to discover the secret to overthrowing the all-powerful empire that destroyed their home. From writer and artist Wes Craig comes an astonishing new ongoing fantasy adventure series about siblings surviving in a world of monsters and mutants. And if you look at some of the previews art, um, I think it's kind of what you would expect from Wes Craig. I mean, he's got a very kind of a cartoonish style, but that style uh, with with quick actions and quick exchanges between faces and things like that. So I think this series looks like it should have a lot of energy to it. And uh, as they highlight here, um, this is a jam-packed series premiere with 31 gorgeous story pages, plus bonus material and a Jack Kirby-inspired variant cover by Deadly Class co-creator Wes Craig. So look for high energy, and it sounds like he's given you a little bit of an extra bonus here with the size of the comic book being 40 pages extra story pages, and still only $3.99. What's up, guys? I'm Patrick, and I'm in the main previews book. We're looking at page 55 and 56. I know we're supposed to do one per item, but this is just real quick. Just to call out the marked Halloween special and Noctara special, Val. They're Halloween specials. They're one-shots. They're $3.99 each. Oh, never mind. The marked is uh, $5.99. How many pages are you getting? Uh, 48 plus cover, so that's not bad. It's not horrible. 32 for Noctera, but they're Halloween specials. Uh, grab a wine. Why not? Just enjoy a little bit of Halloween Halloween reading in October, right? All right, that was a quick one. On to the next pick. This is Nick with a pick from Main Previews Catalog, page 76. Again in the Image Comics section. This is Ice Cream Man number 33. Written, as always, by W. Maxwell Prince, the artist Martin Marazzo, and Chris O'Halloran on art. And uh, I always like to, to call out this one uh, whenever there's a very vague solicitation text. And here it simply says, The kind of story I want to write. That's the title. The solicitation text itself says there's the kind of story I want to write, and then there's this story. So if you're a fan of what Ice Cream Man has been doing, I'm Pretty sure this will be right up your alley. And for others, it might be the kind of story you do not want to read. This is Nick with another pick from the main previews catalog, this time page 92 in the boom section. This is The Approach, number one of five, a uh, mini-series that caught my attention really based on the, um, just kind of skimming through the catalog and looking at the, the cover art here. We've got a airplane flying right at the the viewer with what looks like it could be some kind of some kind of amoeba being of whatever you know reality or whatever flying behind the thing it says written by jeremy hahn and jason a hurley illustrated by jesus hervas and this is a th- gonna be a three dollar 99 issue which i appreciate and uh here's the solicitation text in this turbulent new horror miniseries from writers Jeremy Hahn of The Red Mother and Jason A. Hurley of The Beauty and artist Jesus Hervas of The Empty Man, a storm is coming that's bringing more than bad weather. When airport employees Mac and Abigail find themselves snowed in after a blizzard, they witness a terrible plane crash. After pulling a survivor from the wreckage, they realize a terrifying truth. This plane has been missing for 27 years. The nightmare has only just begun, though, as the people trapped in the airport soon find themselves 
confronted by what this plane actually brought back. For those with the fear of flying, it's not the sky that deserves dread, but what lies beyond it. Hey, this is James here with another pick. This time I'm in the boom section, and I'm over on page 98 where there's a new title called Damn Them All. It is written by Simon Spurrier, uh, illustrated by Charlie Adler. Yes, that Charlie Adler who illustrated issues 7 to 193, I think it was, of uh, Walking Dead, whatever that was. So he did most of the Walking Dead issues. So if you're a fan of his art, there you go. And it says, in this a new dark supernatural th- thriller for fans of We Have Demons, I love that, and Something is Killing the Children, that's been very popular lately, meet L. Bloody L. Hawthorne, a cultist for hire. Following the death of L's uncle, an infamous magician and occult detective, uh, the 72 devils of the Ars Goeta, I can't pronounce that, are mysteriously freed from the internal realm. It's now up to L to track down each of these exiled demons and damn them right back to hell by any means necessary. Holy water, uh, conjuration, or just his, uh, her trusty, rusty claw hammer. So, basically a demon hunter going out with holy water and a hammer, and it looks like they're taking the claw side of that hammer and sticking it in their head. I can just tell by the, the color red on that, <laughs> on the claw on the hammer. Sounds like it's something that could be fun, like, almost like a walking dead but it's demons. They're going after these demons. So if it sounds like something you'd enjoy, it is a gem of the month, even though it's like the third title in for Boom. Um, this is definitely one that I'm probably going to pick up. So on to my next pick. And my next pick is on page 104 of the previous catalog. It is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 101. Now this is going to be the start of a new era of Power Rangers, it says, and again, a hundred issues prior to this of comics for Power Rangers, Boom has really figured out how to handle this property well in comic book format, and that's something that no other publisher out of the many that tried was able to do. I think they're doing a great job. I'm looking forward to the kickoff of this new era. Hopefully it's got some cool stuff. I'd like to see them do some stuff with other teams beyond Mighty Morphin, but the reality is that's what most people think of when they think of Power Rangers, so I get going with that team. And again, they've been doing a good job with it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this new era. There's not really much information on the solicit other than a cryptic SOS help us repeated a lot of times. So like I said, I'm curious what's going on here, and if you're looking for a good jumping on point for Power Rangers, hopefully that's what this is going to be. So once again, that's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 101 on page 104 of the Previews Catalog. This is Nick with another pick from the main Previews Catalog, this time from page... Uh, I guess the main solicitation is on page 124 in the Dark Horse section. This is Night of the Ghoul by, as the little header here has, Scott Snyder, Francesco Francovilla. I always love the way uh, Dark Horse puts exclamation points behind their writers and artists. All right, anyway, this is number one of three. Uh, writer is Scott Snyder, and artist is Francesco Francovilla. And he's got, I don't know, like four variant covers on this. All of them look great. He just really has this way of putting any kind of topic or um, theme into a, a poster here. And the cover looks very dreadful with the man kind of creeping out of a doorway with 
spider legs coming out around him and dead bodies in the corner and a moon coming up and there's like blood coming down from some eye in the rock and there's teeth on the gate and all kinds of stuff. In fact, it even looks like he's wading through blood or some kind of water lit up by red light. Very gripping and very much tells you, I think, what type of story you're about to get here from these two creators. It says it is $4.99 for the main cover and uh, here's the solicitation text. Shot in 1936, Night of the Ghoul by writer-director T.F. Merritt was meant to sit beside Frankenstein and Dracula as an instant classic, but the legendary film never made it to the silver screen. Just before editing was finished, a mysterious studio fire destroyed the footage and killed the cast and crew, celebrating at the rap party. Forrest Inman is a horror film obsessive, who digitizes old films for the famed Aurora Movie Studio. When Forrest stumbles across a seemingly forgotten canister of footage, he just might have discovered the remnants of the lost classic Night of the Ghoul. This discovery sends Forrest on a dark odyssey where he is warned by a mysterious old man that the film's ghoul is far more than a work of fiction. It's a very real monster who plans to kill him. Dun dun dun! It's 32 pages, so this should be kind of a quick read, I think. Hopefully it's all 32 pages of straight uh, Frank Avila art because I love his um, shadowy contrasting color type look that you get when he does the interiors. And you can see one page of preview art at least on the next page in the catalog. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this time I'm in the dynamite section on page 161. Now, surprise, surprise, I have canceled almost everything from Dynamite. I, I literally just dropped everything. I'm not, I wasn't enjoying it. Mirka and Dolfo has been writing Red Sonja, and it just was not good. So, but now we have Unbreakable Red Sonja on page 161. The writer is Jim Zub, and the artist is Gio, uh, Giovanni Valletta, and Lucio Perillo doing the cover art. Looks beautiful on the cover A. I mean, there's other covers there if you if you want to choose those, but how can you go along with Lucio? But Jim Zub, he's currently writing uh, Amazing Spider-Man over at Marvel. So that could be uh, a damning thing to say or uh, huh, something you should check out. I'm going to take it as a, maybe you should check this one out. Uh, if, especially if you're like me and you haven't been enjoying the current Red Sonja year. Dropped it. Uh, this one, let, let, let's see. This is the 50th anniversary. So it says, as we head toward the 50th anniversary of the She-Devil with a Sword, in 2023, so we're getting close. Dynamite Entertainment is proud to present a sweeping story of sword and sorcery and high adventure by writer Jim Zub, who did do Conan the Barbarian, Dungeons and Dragons, and he has done Avenger stuff. And artist Giovanni Valletta, who did John Wick and James Bond. In this debut issue, Red Sonja carries a hazy vision that lurks just out the reach in her memories. The answer to the mysterious moment will unlock a journey of forbidden magic and searing steel as Sonya's past and present collide in a quest beyond anything our scarlet-haired hero has faced before. So, I do love Red Sonya. I want to read Red Sonya. I will not read the current Red Sonya proper title, but I will give Unbreakable Red Sonya a try, and maybe Dynamite can win me back as a reader on this one, and if not, I will drop it quick. On to my next pick. This is Nick with another pick from the main preview catalog, this time from page 217 in the Ablaze section. And I don't know, it must be like in a early horror movie 
mood getting ready for October or something with all of these picks. But I'm calling out the Boogeyman number two. And I think I called out number one last month or the month before. But this just looks like it it really is going to be kind of a fun series, hopefully. Writer is Matthew Sylvia. Artist is Jet. And this is $3.99 for 32 pages. The tagline here, Munsters don't only exist in children's imaginations. The solicitation reads, The Munsters who took Elliot's family from him are hot on his trail, but they must also contend with his new protector, Father Death. Believed to be long dead, this boogeyman is not an ancient lost power. Now that he has shown himself to save the boy, he has become a target himself. And if I remember correctly from last month, the, uh, the preview art on this one looked good, so I'm looking forward to this kind of tackling a little bit of a horror-slash-darker story, but with that whimsical fantasy-style artwork to go along with it. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and this time I'm in the back half of the previous catalog, where the first thing that caught my eye was on page 268. It is from AWA, um, and it is one that I'm pretty sure our friend, fellow listener, Slacker, Viking Joker is a big fan of too. Uh, Year Zero Volume Zero. So they've already had two volumes of um, Year Zero. Year Zero set up. It's a zombie apocalypse outbreak. Um, and you're seeing uh, stories in the world from different people's viewpoints. So, you know, somebody who uh, happens to be living with a drug dealer, drug lord, or someone who's stuck in, um, you know, a superstore like a Sam's Club or something like that. And just random cool stuff and their, their stories. So, you see their perspectives. So this one, the year zero, I'm assuming is going to show the start of the pandemic and outbreak, but I really don't know. It is written by Daniel Krauss, illustrated by Goran Sudu, uh, Suduzuka. Okay, I butchered that. Sorry about that, Goran. Okay, in this action-packed prelude to the hit series, acclaimed horror writer Daniel Krauss, let's talk about what he did, <laughs> unveils four globe-spanning tales from the earliest days of the zombie apocalypse. Hey, just what I was thinking when even the wildest rumors couldn't, couldn't measure up to the horror to come. A streetwise Russian cop patrols the black alleys of the opportunistic black market that emerges in response to the crisis. A North Korean soldier observes a strange happening on the DMC. An ER nurse in the rural south fights to protect her hospital from threats without and within. A transgender flight attendant, who has observed disturbing clues as she crosses the globe, keeps a wary eye on the passenger. Interesting. Why the gender matters, I have no clue. But there you go. I think it's going to be cool. This series has been fantastic. And so she is back and I am going to buy it and read it and enjoy it and consume it. And on to my next pick, guys. This is Nick with a pick from page 290 of the previews catalog. I'm guessing this is the name of the publisher, Collins Crime Club. This is actually a book book you know, with words and everything. So this might just be like from Collins Harper or something as the uh, publisher. But it is a spotlight on, as previews calls it out, What Child Is This? A Sherlock Holmes Christmas Adventure, a hardcover book written by Bonnie McBird and art by Frank Cho. Yes, uh, you got that right. The artist Frank Cho is doing some illustrations for this. It is black and white, so don't expect anything too ornate or elaborate there. But apparently, Frank Cho has done some artwork for this uh, group of Sherlock Holmes aficionados and writers called the Baker Street Irregulars in the past. 
So they're calling in uh, his favor this time to come do some artwork for this. And that's intriguing, but also the story just sounds really interesting. It says, A new Sherlock Holmes story beautifully packaged and illustrated for the holidays by Bonnie McBird with art from Baker Street Irregulars member Frank Cho. It's Christmas time in London, and Sherlock Holmes takes on two cases. The angelic three-year-old child of a wealthy couple is the target of a vicious kidnapper, and a country aristocrat worries that his handsome favorite son has mysteriously vanished from his London pied-à-terre. Holmes and Watson, aided by the colorful Heffy O'Malley, slip-slide in the ice to ensure a Merry Christmas is had by nearly everybody. And this is formatted as a 6 by 9 inch basically like comic-sized book, 240 pages, and is on sale for $26.99. I'd hope you can also find this in your local bookstore, but may not come just automatically to your local comic shop without some kind of special order. So uh, definitely ask ahead about this or um, you know, look into a local bookstore around the holidays and see if you can find this new Sherlock Holmes mystery. Dr. Mo here with an IDW pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Star Trek number one. IDW is launching a new Star Trek number one on the backs of the creative team behind the Star Trek year five series, the writers Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Now, series appears to be taking place post Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You have Benjamin Sisko returning from the Bajoran wormhole on a new mission to find out who is killing gods. He has a he's put together a at least according to the solicitation text, a motley crew which is comprised of data among some other characters some of them are new there are a few who i had some vague familiarity with i first heard about this project during idw's san diego comic convention presentation i was intrigued because one it was a mashup of different iterations of star trek i thought that was very interesting i like the fact that we honestly we don't get a whole lot of cisco certainly not in contemporary star trek books the writers on this have a proven track record with the star trek brand and the artists or at least i'm hoping this is the primary artist is uh, ramon Rosanas, and I'm familiar with Rosanas's Marvel work, did work on X-23, did some X-Men stuff here and there. Really, I think a style that suits Star Trek. It's a lot of what I like in a comic book artist, a lot of clean lines, a lot of uh, good character acting, um, just something that is able to tell the story really well so i'm looking forward to this package i typically do not get idw books i'm and it's not that they're not putting out quality products 
trying to figure find something that engages me. This definitely engages me because of the the mission of the USS Theseus, which I if you know your Greek mythology, Theseus was a demigod and a hero of Athens. So it is it's not ironic that Cisco and company have a ship that is named after a Greek hero on a quest. If you are looking for a new launch pad for a Star Trek book, I think you should give this a try. Again, if you want some additional details, I suggest you seek out the articles and the preview artwork or character character designs that have been released for this series. You kind of get an understanding of what they're doing and where they're going with this with this book. Star Trek number one can be found in the IDW section of the previews catalog on page 329 and costs 3.99 What's up guys? Axman Patrick here and we are on page 330. We're looking at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This one is the compendium hardcover of the original Mirage Ninja Turtles, black and white. I never read all of that because I could never get my hands on all of it. And I could never find a trade paperback or a compendium. And now they're printing one. Yes, Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird. Yes, yes, please. So, cover artist Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird. Artist is Michael Dooney and various. Cowabunga, dude. It's time to travel back to the 80s with the Turtles and discover where it all started. This collection of Mirage Studios issues number 1 through 7 and 9 through 14. The Raphael, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Leonardo micro series one shots. Fugitoid number 1 and Tales of TMNT number 1 through 5. It's perfect for new readers trying to learn more about the Turtles or longtime fans returning to the classics. Witness yourself iconic moments in TMNT history. Watch as Splinter unveils the mystery of the Turtles' past. Then cheer along as the brothers do battle with the villainous Shredder for the very first time. 832 pages, black and white, $150. Please get your discount where you can get your discount. $150 is a lot of beans right now, especially with the recession we're in. So get your discounts where you can, like Cowabunga Comics, which is also Deep Discount Comics, or the other places that you go to. All right, guys, that's my TMT rant. I'm actually getting a new tattoo with them recently, as soon, and I'll be sending that onto the Slack channel. So if you want to check it out, join the Slack. Simple, easy. Go on to John's webpage, click join the Slack, or I don't exactly remember how I did it. It's so long ago now that I've done it, but simple, easy to join. Join up. Join the conversations, guys. Simple, easy. You don't even have to write anything if you don't want to. You can just sit there and read all of our nonsense that we put on there. Well, this is my last pick, so I want to thank John again. Thank you for, you know, giving us this thing. I love this. This is easy for me to listen to and find books that I missed or, you know, look at it differently with people's different perspectives. And here's some history because some of these guys really go in-depth on history on some of these books. So thank you, John. Thank you guys for all your uh, time you guys put into this with uh, everyone else recording and sending them the clips and John doing all the editing. You guys rock. Get on that Slack. Send some uh, pics this way, guys. Send it, send it via email and John will doctor it up and get it out here for us. Thanks. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, page 338. The Mad Cave Studios section. 
what's really making me call out this one in particular is the art team. It's Cullen Bunn who writes everything. And art Andrea Moody, who I think at this point has done several things with Bunn. I'm just always a fan of his art style. Very, uh, very unique, but kind of with a polished look to it. This says, A Legacy of Violence, number one, by Masters of Horror Cullen Bunn and Andrea Muti, with letters by Russ Wooten, follows Dr. Nick Shaw, an honest doctor just trying to help people. But one day, when a patient gets out of control, Nick suddenly begins recalling past memories he had kept hidden away. That's when he decides to join Doctors Without Borders and head straight for Central America. But his past still comes calling. With a serial killer on the loose in the small town of DeSante, Honduras, Nick's flashbacks begin to intensify and become clearer. Was Nick meant to go to Honduras? Is this all part of the killer's plan? Maybe a little bit uh, obvious here, but it, it says say there are mature themes to this one. 32 pages, $3.99. This is Nick with another pick from the main previews catalog, this time from page 378. An entry here by Scholastic. Now this is definitely exciting for me. I got handed, I guess it was the first three Harry Potter books shortly before the fourth book came out. That uncle and aunt gave me it for um, Christmas, I believe. And it was right around the time that I was in fifth grade or so, so kind of very impressionable. I fell in love with the Harry Potter books, loved all those stories. And several years ago, uh, Scholastic started putting out these illustrated editions with the main text in there, and then kind of every so many pages, or sometimes even behind the text, a lot of uh, ornate artwork showing the different monsters or action scenes or things from the stories. And it, all the artwork is by an artist called Jim Kay, and he does just a phenomenal job with these. And I was wondering about these even just recently when they were going to issue the fifth novel in this illustrated edition. If, if you're familiar with the books, they get longer and longer and longer and more complex and darker as the series goes along. So I figured it probably was taking a while to get this one produced. But here we finally have Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix Illustrated Edition, a hardcover. Writer, of course, is J.K. Rowling. Artist is Jim Kay. And it says here, there is a door at the end of a silent corridor. And it's haunting Harry Potter's dreams. Why else would he be waking in the middle of the night screaming in terror? He finds depth and strength in his friends beyond what even he knew. Boundless loyalty and unbearable sacrifice. This stunning illustrated edition brings together the talents of award-winning artists Jim Kay and Neil Packer in a visual feast, featuring iconic scenes and much-loved characters. Tonks, Luna Lovegood, and many more, as the Order of the Phoenix keeps watch over Harry Potter's fifth year at Hogwarts. This is going to be $54.99 at 9 by 11 as far as the uh, trim size for this. 576 pages. Billy Hogan again. My next pick is in the back half of previews in the Tomorrow's Publishing section on page 411 with Alter Ego number 179 with various writers and artists and a cover drawn by Jack Kirby. Celebrating the 61st anniversary of Fantastic Four number 1 because we kind of blew right past its 60th. Plus a sagacious salute to Stan Lee's 100th birthday 
with never-before-seen highlights, and to FF number one and two inker George Klein. Spotlight on Submariner and the Bowery in FF number four, plus sensational secrets behind FF number one and number three. Also, FCA, Fawcett Collectors of America, Michael T. Gilbert in Mr. Monster's Comic Crypt, a Jack Kirby cover, and more. Schedule be in shops on December 14th for the cover price of $10.95. Since I'll be ordering this through Discount Comic Book Service, I'll be getting about a 40% discount on this issue. But I couldn't pass it up because it features Fantastic Four number one. The FF are my favorite Marvel group of characters and my favorite title. My first issue was number 38, which guest starred Daredevil, and the villain was Doctor Doom, and Spider-Man is a close second, but the Fantastic Four have always been my favorite Marvel characters. So I can't wait to read this issue and learn all the juicy details about the creation of the cornerstone of the Marvel Universe. And my final pick is on the very next page, number 412, with Jack Kirby Collector number 85. Jack Kirby Collector number 85 brings to life Kirby Animated, detailing how Kirby and his concepts leap from celluloid to paper and back again. From his 1930s start on Popeye and Betty Boop, and his work being used on the 1960s Marvel superhero show, to Fantastic Four in both 1967 and 1978, Super Friends, Super Powers, Scooby-Doo, Thundar the Barbarian, and Ruby Spears. It's the ultimate look at Jack's work in and influence on animation. Then, Comics and Animation's Evan Dorkin talks about his Kirby inspirations and an abandoned Kamandi animated series. Plus, our regular columnists, and from 2017's Baltimore Comic Con, Mark Evanier celebrates Kirby's 100th birthday, with Tom King, Walter Simonson, Mark Buckingham, Jerry Ordway, Dean Haspiel, John K. Snyder III, and the Kirby Museum's Rand Hop. Scheduled to be in shops on December 21st for the cover price of $10.95. This will be my first time buying a copy of the Jack Kirby Collector series. I believe I downloaded a free copy of an early issue from Tomorrow's during a special they had. But I wanted to learn more about his career in animation after he left comics for good, unfortunately. And it's sad to think that he was treated better in his animation career than he was during all the many decades he put in the comic book industry, which is kind of sad. I do remember watching the 1967 Fantastic Four cartoon on TV, so I'm looking forward to learning all about Kirby's animation career in detail. If you're a Kirby fan and you've never checked out a copy of Jack Kirby Collector, I would recommend that you start with this issue, and you can then check out back issues at the Tomorrow's website. Some issues, especially the earlier you go back in the series, may not be available in print, but you can buy digital versions of the rare issues at their website. Thank you, John, for providing this forum so that we can all share our enthusiasm for the comic book medium. 
And I want to thank everyone for providing their clips, and I look forward to listening to all of them and finding out what everyone's going to be reading this month. I hope all of you are healthy out there. As I record this, I am recovering from a light bout of COVID. I had very mild symptoms. The worst thing was I got sick on the very first day of my vacation. But I feel almost back to normal, and it's just a matter of getting a negative test so I can go back to work hopefully next week without missing any days. But anyway, I hope all of you find lots of good comic books to read in the August previews. Hey, this is James back with my final pick. And the final pick I was going to tell you about, there's volume 31 of My Hero Academia. Uh, It's from Viz. It's a manga publisher. It is uh, in the way far back of the catalog. But I'm not going to call out volume 31. I do... I did recently purchase volumes 1 through 30. When I go in, I go in hard, I go in deep. So, uh, yeah, that's what I did. On page 454, there's something for those of you who may want to check it out because Eric and John have been doing some back-issue spotlights on My Hero Academia. And John's been introduced to manga. I mean, introduced. He knew about it before, but he's been reading it. It's superhero-based. It's something that I think if you guys want to try it out, this is a way to dip your toes in. And when I say dip your toes in, dip your toes in deep like I do. Because on page 454 from Viz is My Hero Academia box set one. And when they do a box set, they give you a very nice box and it contains the first 20 volumes. Yes, 20 volumes in a nice box. And these these are um, little tiny volumes. I'll talk about that later. It, it, the price is $179.99. If you pay $179.99, you're going into a retail store and finding it and paying full price. No, you're my friends, you're going to go to Deep Discount Comics, Eric, and you're going to save probably 35-40% on this because why would you pay the whole 179? It but with this also just so you know, I have been listening to the reviews that John and Eric have done. I have not read the book myself because I was waiting for my volumes to come in. I li- I listen to the podcast, I read manga, and it sounded, "Hey, that's cool. I want to read that." So I went and bought them all. So I have not dipped my toe into this yet, but I have all 30 volumes sitting there waiting for me. And yes, I will consume them. And I think it's going to be cool. I think it'll be good. You have to get into the mindset of reading right to left versus reading left to right. Same thing with the text bubbles inside each one of the things, in each one of the frames. So it's a little bit different. But once you get used to it, it's kind of weird because I go back to reading regular comic and I'm like, I'm reading the regular comic wrong. It's so bizarre. But I'm enjoying manga as much if not more than regular comics right now take that for what you will i think it's because it's been curated they're printing only the best stuff from japan that's come out over the years you're not getting the mediocre so-so stuff they're not going to spend the money to translate that so you're getting the biggest hits it's almost like if they took the best comics from american western media and we were used as the fodder to read all the stuff which is literally what's happening now and then other people were only sold the good stuff overseas they're going to have a better experience than we did reading all the mediocre titles or just plain bad titles. That's what's happening with manga here. It's not that it's better. It's that they're only giving you the most popular things. They're not giving you the ones that stunk. But I'm enjoying it. I think it's terrific. I think everyone should dip their toes into manga. This is a way to go in deep. And if you can't, if you don't want to do it that way, hit up Eric or hit me up. I'll tell you where you can go and find volumes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Pick them up. Uh, the reason why I say I pick up 5 volumes is because 
they read so quick. You pick up a volume of manga, and even though it's 160 pages, 30 minutes later, you're done. So it's not as intimidating as you might think. But anyways, that's my last pick. I'm looking forward to hearing all of your picks. I want to. I appreciate every one of you that sends in clips for the preview spotlight. I appreciate John for doing all the editing and hosting on this. And that is the last thing I'm recording right now before I'm heading off on vacation. I'm out of the country again. I'll probably share when John and I record and you guys will hear about it after the fact. But yeah, I'm out of the country again. <laughs> so have a good one, guys. Until next time. Take care. Bye. I hope everyone found something of interest in the catalogs this month. I've had a time to flip through them and stuff. I'm still piecing together my order. I'm running kind of a bit behind on things this month. But again, some great picks and stuff. Some interesting things in there. I know a lot of people don't like going through the catalogs and stuff, but again, there's so many things I find that I would just never have discovered otherwise. Because, I mean, there are a ton of great comic book shops out there, but no comic shop can stock everything. And even if they could, that doesn't mean it's going to be there when you get to the store. So knowing what's coming out and being able to let your retailer know, hey, I'd like this, it helps you, it helps the retailer, it helps the, the publisher and the creators. It's a win-win for everybody. So that's, that's, again, why I do these episodes and why I go through the previews catalogs and the Next Phase catalog and the DC Connect and the Marvel previews, etc., etc. It'd be nice if it was all one catalog, but, you know, that's not the era we live in. Anyways. I want to thank Billy, Patrick, James, Moe, and Nicholas for sending in clips. They had a ton of great stuff. We've got an open submission policy, so if you want to send in clips, all you got to do is record an audio file. You can do that on your phone pretty easily these days, and then just send it to me. There's instructions on the forum. If you've got questions, just ask. It's really not that hard to do. Now, the deadline for the preview spotlight is usually the second Saturday of the month, regardless of where the catalogs ship. Because sometimes they ship a little earlier, a little later, and this is like, let's just have something predictable. And you can always check the main page of the comicbookpage.com website for the latest information on the deadline and to sign up for email reminders of when these deadlines are. So again, these things are crowdsourced by you listeners. You send in stuff. This is how I find out about new things that I might miss otherwise. So like I said, it's a win-win for everybody. So with that, we'll call it an episode. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what we've discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.